There is a lovely old American rhyme, tell me quick and tell me true what your product's going to do or else my love to hell with you. That's a bloody good thing to remember when you're writing emails, yeah? Hey, podcast listener. You're about to discover insider tips, tricks, and secrets to making more sales and converting more prospects into customers with email marketing. For more information about the email marketing podcast or the autoresponder guy, go to dropdeadcopy.com slash podcast. It's John McIntyre here, the autoresponder guy. It's time for episode 84 of the McMethod Marketing Podcast, where you'll discover how to get more customers with less effort and make them spend more every time they buy from you. Now, today, I'll be talking to Drayton Bird. Drayton is a well-known copywriter, he's a direct response guy, and uh, he's one of the big guns. Let me put it that way. He actually created an agency, a marketing agency, that was uh, you know, in, in the UK, Britain, as far as I'm aware, and then sold that to David Ogilvy of Ogilvy and Mather, and uh, you know, went to work with David for a while. So, I mean, this guy Drayton, he is—he's a badass when it comes to copywriting. He's not really—he's uh, not an internet marketing guru or anything like that. He's an old-school director, wants get shit done kind of guy. Okay, so that's Drayton Bird, and that's what today's about. We're going to talk about how to not write like corporate zomb- corporate zombie land. So he says, don't imagine you're a pretentious corpse writing to other corpses, okay? I found a post on his site about this, this whole idea of, you know, when businesses write emails to, you know, their customers or their clients or, you know, other businesses, they make it sound so freaking boring. They sound like, I mean, like Drayton says, pretentious corpses, okay? And I really hope, if you're listening to this podcast, that you are not doing this with your business because, I mean, you need to make it fresh. Now, that's going to mean something different depending on what market you're in, yes, but don't use all the corporate language speak. Okay, try some, you know, mix it up. Be friendly. Okay. Anyway, that's what we're going to learn about today in Drayton. So I don't need to talk about that right now because you're going to hear about it in a few minutes' time. To get the show notes for this episode of the Email Marketing Podcast, go to themcmethod.com slash 84. This week's McMaster's Inside of the Week is really, really simple. One thing I've noticed recently while talking to a variety of different people, you know, people much more successful than I am, Who've, uh, who've been in the game a lot longer, and often, you know, you know, we go out for dinner, we go out for coffee, or whatever, and we talk about business and what works and what doesn't. And uh, you know, when I first started, you know, hanging out with these kind of people, I used to think, well, maybe there's a secret. What's different about them? You know, what, why are they successful? What, what are they doing differently? Thinking that there's some like magic bullet or special, you know, ability they have. And <laughs> you know what? I think there is no special ability. There is no magic thing to it. Every time I speak to one of these guys, the secret that they all go back to is that there are no secrets. You work hard. And you do what others want. So, you know, you might be like, well, I want to wake up at 10 a.m. because I can. I work online. I don't need an alarm. I can wake up at 10. Well, that's great. But I bet you there's someone out there who's willing to wake up at 7 a.m. to get his work done. And I reckon, actually, there's someone out there willing to wake up at 4.30 a.m. And he's at the office by 4.45 a.m. in the morning to get started. Now, I mean, all all things being equal, the guy gets up at 10 a.m., how's he going to compare with the guy who gets up at 4.30? Okay. Now, there are diminishing returns with this, and you obviously, you obviously need to sleep at some point. But the idea here is that if you need to wake up at 6 a.m. every day and get to the office, or if you want to be at the office by 6 a.m. to work, and uh, that's going to make a big difference in your business, then do it. Do whatever it takes. I mean, this depends whether you want a small little life- lifestyle business that, you know, where you can live you know, on the beach in Thailand, for example. There are no beaches where I'm in Chiang Mai, unfortunately. Or, you know, when you actually want to build something big, this is going to mean something different for different people. You really want to get clear on the values. And once you're sure how big you want to go, you want to commit to it. You want to go all in and then, like I said, work hard and do what others want. Do what others won't. Okay, that's the secret to success. Now, this is a McMaster's Inside of the Week. If you want to get more insights like this, 
you want to join McMaster's. McMaster's is uh, my private training community. There's a forum in there where I get in there and post. You can ask questions and get advice from myself and the other members. There's also several training products on email marketing, on sales funnels, and really it's all about just how to get more customers, okay, with less effort. So you can uh, grow your business and maybe, you know, maybe you don't have to work at 6 a.m. or maybe you can work at 6 and just make way more impact anyway. So that's McMaster's. To learn more about that, go to themcmethod.com slash McMaster's and I'll see you inside the forum. Now that's it for now. Let's get into this interview with Mr. Drayton Bird. It's John McIntyre here, the autoresponder guy. I'm here with Drayton Bird. Now, Drayton is a uh, longtime copywriter, a direct response marketing consultant, and uh, he worked out. He actually worked with David Ogilvy at O&M Direct. So that's Ogilvy and Mather. And, and uh, Ogilvy said Drayton Bird knows more about direct marketing than anyone else in the world. So, uh, so with that in mind, I thought I would uh, see if Drayton wants to come on the show and talk a bit about email marketing and the history of email because he's been doing this for a while. So we're going to talk about uh, talk a bit about email and in particular one post which we'll get to in a minute which is uh, I'll just grab the title now because it'll get you excited the title is good email bad email the right way and the let's bore the living shit out of you way to write emails so we'll get into that in just a minute Drayton how are you today I'm very old I'm at least a day older than I was yesterday uh, I've That's just good. been in my kitchen here in Bristol in England and I've discovered I've got maggots in the uh, in the rubbish this has caused a major major panic you, I mean, um, when you picked up the phone, you said, "Oh, hang on a second, I've just got a, I've just got a minor crisis going on right now." So, <laughs> <laughs> we forgot to put the rubbish out last week. Uh, I'm not going to, I'm not going to upset people by telling the full horrible. Um, right. Okay, well, I've been in this game for about uh, fifty odd years. Um, I came into it because uh, I wasn't making any money as a journalist. And what's interesting to me about email is that everything has changed in the last 20 years. I started in advertising, got very interested in the kind of advertising that gets results, i.e. direct response, uh, built up a business in England, in London, which became the biggest direct marketing agency around, and then sold it to Ogilvy and Mather, and worked for Ogilvy and Mather for about eight or nine years, and actually kept in contact with David Ogilvy uh, for, for the rest of his life. He was a great uh, mentor for me. But I am a copywriter. I write copy every day. I, I'm, I'm not the a world's oldest copywriter, but I am 78, so I'm, I must be running it close. Uh, and before you you Skype me, I was writing some copy this morning. What's interesting to me about email, the first thing that was interesting was that I was used to sending out direct mail. Direct mail costs money to send out. Substantial amounts of money. You have to print the stuff, stick it in an envelope, get somebody to send it, and so on. And when somebody came along and said, oh, there's this thing called email <laughs> and it doesn't cost you anything. Well, that's a very important fact, you know. Competitive um, advantage derives from people who find something that is priced unnaturally, i.e. too cheap compared to what the other methods that people are using. So email was incredibly cheap and also it was new. And I can remember... I spoke at a conference in um, the Netherlands about 20 years ago, and somebody from Cisco said to me, hey, we're sending out emails and getting 10% response. How about that? <laughs> if you get 0.1% response now, you're doing pretty well. It, I, I had to think, how does this differ from what I'm used to? How does it differ from advertising? How does it differ from, from direct mail to get response? And I discovered that to all intents and purposes, there is very little difference indeed, except for technical reasons to do with the nature of the medium. 
Um, for instance, let's take let's take the, the two factors that determine whether people will read your email or not. They are, do I know this person? Now, I know from my studies of direct mail and advertising that broadly speaking, uh, if somebody knows uh, the advertiser, they are twice as likely to read the advertisement as they are not to. Yeah. If somebody knows the advertiser, they are at least twice as more like twice more likely to open the envelope in a in a piece of direct mail. Same thing applies. So very often the most important thing in an email is do I know you? Yeah. Hmm. So say this morning I got a thing from the, the subject line was from Ricky Murray from Ricky Murray. I get a lot like this from so and so. I don't know who the hell Ricky Murray is. I don't care who Ricky Murray is. Hmm. As it happened. It was such a stupid email because I like to look at them uh, <laughs> that I opened it to see if it, Ricky Murray had anything to say. Hmm. And below there was a cryptic line. I still didn't know what he was talking about. So what's the second thing that matters when you send out any communication, be it direct mail or advertising, whatever it may be, the second thing, does this interest me? Yeah. Yeah. Now, so one of the uh, the things you you'll get it every we all get it every day from some idiot sends a thing that says no subject <laughs> oh i don't know you and you want to talk to me about nothing great <laughs> and this happens all the time yeah. i often think that the only reason i've made a living in, in in this business is not because i'm any good but because an awful lot of people are very very stupid <laughs> it's and there is well there are lots of other golden rules that you can apply which, which re relate to any kind of communications. Let's take the headline in an advertisement. If you have a headline which is hard to read, your ad isn't going to work very well. If you have an email where the subject line is more than 40 characters long, some say 35 characters long, then people are not going to see the whole of that subject line. So you better be damn sure that what you say at the beginning of those, whatever you're saying, is interesting enough to keep people reading on. Or alternatively, You've got to make damn sure that what you have to say fits into 40 characters. That is an area where the nature of the medium determines the tactics that you use. Because everything I've discovered, and I've done God knows how many split tests over the years, and everything I've studied, and I've studied most people, shows that long headlines and advertisements work, work better than short ones. Mm. They work better than short ones because they can say more. They can make a more precise promise. On the other hand, you can't do that with an email subject line. So that, that sort of thing influences the success or failure of an email. The same questions come up time and again. Should we have a short email or should we have a long email? And one of my colleagues, Al, and I have a relatively small business, only seven or eight of us, but we're scattered around various countries. He always reckons that you should have a very short email leading to a long landing page. But another man whom I respect a great deal, Daniel Levis, who makes more money than God, sitting there somewhere in Canada, sends out very, very long emails inviting people to very, 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 very long events, uh, <coughs> webinars, I actually just which spoke go to on him for as long as four hours. Hmm? I actually just spoke what? to him. Did I? I did one of these interviews with Daniel maybe two weeks ago. Oh really? Yeah. So he's going. He's doing a long email to a long, 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 long sales page to even a, you know an even longer event, huh? That's right. Yeah. And he and he again another thing that people talk about is uh, how often should you mail? 
Daniel mails virtually every day of the week. I mail virtually every day of the week. Bob Bly, whom I respect enormously, only mails, I think, two days a week. Corporate people tend to think that if you mail people more than once a month, you're overwhelming them. <laughs> the only thing I can say about that is that the one certainty I can give you is that, generally speaking, study whatever large corporations are doing and do the opposite. Because the route to success in a large corporation is through climbing your way up the corporate ladder, uh, not necessarily doing a better job. Fitting in with, what, uh, with the corporate guidelines, not necessarily doing a better job. What other things that occur to me when that people ask about emails? When should you email? What day should you email? I was talking to another of my partners. We have a business called Young Birds, which is essentially younger people who work for me who write copy, which I I'm creatively direct and rewrite and generally mess them about on. Gerald finds that uh, Thursday is the best day for him. Uh, other people say other days. I have no idea. My, my other partner, Al, he thinks that he likes Sunday and Monday. You know, his theory is that anybody who's reading their emails on Sunday is really serious. I noticed uh, yesterday, Saturday, uh, the day before yesterday, Saturday, Daniel Levis emailed on Saturday. So did I. I don't normally do so. You really have to test and find out what works for you. Oh, it sounds like, I mean, how do you resolve this? How do you explain this difference between, I guess, what sounds like you just said you have to test it, but, you know, Daniel mails daily, Bob Bly does twice a week. You know, everyone seems to have a different strategy, and even the actual emails themselves vary quite a bit. So what, uh, if someone, they either can't test or they don't have the volume available to test this sort of thing, or they just want a best practices idea of what they should do, I mean, what do you think? Should they, if, if you know, what's your suggestion if, if, I know they can test it, but if they had to pick one or the other, I mean, how often would they be mailing and how long would the emails be? <laughs> I, you know, I really don't know. I, I honestly don't know. And, okay. I, and I don't think anybody knows. I'm a great collector of quotations. Um, and George Bernard Shaw said the golden rule is there is no golden rule. Hmm. And it depends what suits you. There are certain things that I think I can say with some confidence. Number one, some of the people who make more money than anyone else are the people selling investments. People like, oh God, the, the, the Motley Fool, for instance, the Daily Reckoning. Yep. I study their stuff very carefully. They send out incredibly long emails. Their landing pages are incredibly long. I once took the trouble to measure how long one of the Daily Reckoning's landing pages was. And I worked out that if you printed it out, it would be 233 pages long. <laughs> But I happen to know that these people make a tremendous amount of money. And of course, the, the, I think that the, again, going back to my experience in advertising, the rule there was the more interesting the subject was to people and the greater the amount of money involved, the longer the copy should be. In other words, if I'm selling somebody, well, which I have done, Peppa Pig <laughs> or Barbie, Mm. which I also have done. There isn't a hell of a lot you can say about Peppa Pig. <laughs> there isn't a tremendous amount you can say about Barbie without going to jail. <laughs> but on the other hand, the most expensive product I've ever sold or helped to sell was the, the Airbus, which is an aeroplane, which costs a lot of money. <laughs> I don't think I would have sold it with three witty words. Yeah. yeah. The other issue, of course, is what, what should the format be? A great many people lose a great deal of money by sending out emails which are, in effect, like leaflets. Um, they're, they're nicely designed. 
they look HTML, great. lots of colors and this, that, and the other. This generally does not work um, as well as things that look like text uh, until you've got somebody signed up, somebody interested, somebody who's joined your list. At that point, you can start sending out more elaborate-looking things. My partner uh, is an Italian lady, uh, and she works in the financial services area. In fact, she does most of the marketing for a, a very, very successful investment firm here in, in Bristol, the most successful of its kind in this country, one of the most successful in the world. And what she does is she uses uh, things that look like text to get people, and then after that she sends things that, out that look like newsletters. Uh, and I wouldn't argue with her very much. She actually trained with me, but she's a bloody sight better than me now. <laughs> <laughs> There's a moral from this story somewhere. <laughs> okay. So you're saying it can, at least initially, you have to engage people as a person. So use that, using text and being interesting. But over time, once you have that relationship and that rapport, you can actually get away with sending, or maybe it's even better to send uh, you know a nice fancy email to you know emails that you know it's got color and images and all that sort of stuff i think if it's appropriate you can but even the most surprising i've got lots of collections of different tests that i've run so the one area that you would think would work very well with sort of jazzy consumery um exciting visuals is gaming betting yeah mm. and i've got one set of three emails where they did some tests between three different designs. One just looked like text. One was fairly interesting looking. It had a bit of color in it. And the other one had lots of stuff going on. Very, very interesting visually. The text won one. So, so I think until you've got people, you can't send things out that look like leaflets. And again, there is a parallel with direct mail. One of the things that I discovered about direct mail was that the most important thing in a direct mail package is the letter, not the leaflet. But a lot of people still send out leaflets without letters. And the reason for this is that if the, per if the communication is a personal communication, yeah, which an email is, then it should look personal. And e even the language that you use should be personal. My own view is that if you want to be any good at this, you have to do the same thing as you have to do with everything else. You have to study, you know. Mm. I spend, you know, God knows I, sh I should be out of pasture. I should have been, you know, I should have given up years ago, but I still study every day the emails that I get and I tell my people to study them. And since we were talking about Daniel Levis, I told my people 10 days ago, I said, read this series of emails from Daniel and see what you can learn from them. Because he does things that other people don't do. <clears throat> he has a consistent theme in his communications. He makes the most promises, and then he proceeds, in effect, to challenge people to, to let, make him justify them. But he writes an awful lot of copy. The theory about the length of copy is extremely simple. The theory is that nobody is forcing the reader to go read all this stuff. You know, The reader can stop whenever that reader likes. Yeah? It's up, to, it's up to you to how long you can keep people interested. But the longer you can keep people interested, the more likely they are to buy. The higher percentage of them are likely to buy. It's as simple as that. But, the, I mean, there's an awful lot of things going on at the moment that, that I'm, I'm, I'm testing in this, in this field, in the field of online communication. So I have a thing that, that, uh, which is a monthly program called Our Straight. And we tested it uh, to start with, oh, a year ago, over a year ago. 
with an, a series of emails and long landing page. Um, a long landing page that is looks it's, it's laid out. You know, it's laid out. It's not laid out very slickly, but it's laid out. If anyone wants to see it, just go and Google AskDrayton.com and you can see what it looks like. Or maybe you won't see what it looks like. And I'll tell, tell you why maybe you won't see what it looks like. Because uh, about talking to John Benson, who uh, does these what he calls very ugly videos, I think, which in effect <laughs> are nothing more than, you know, just a script rolling across the page. So I thought, well, I'll give that a shot. It's already on your site. I'm looking at it now. I'm on askdrayton.com and the video is already loading. So the uh, the copy. So it's the video. Yeah. And the reason the video is loading is because it beat the 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 written landing page three to one, but the words are identical. Yep. That's that is a startling example of the fact that you can take something and the means by which you communicate it, not what you say may have more impact than anything else in the same way that I'm saying if you send out a text it probably do better than HTML to new people yeah so that sort of thing absolutely fascinates me and right now I've got someone working on another version of that landing page which we're going to test which is the one that I'm sure you've seen where it's a hand drawing yeah, yeah? so we're testing that and we'll see what works with that now the, the implication of this is is very important to the one thing I would say to anybody listening to this is the most important thing to do is to test and measure. I'm doing a talk uh, in Poland next year to uh, the uh, Harvard Business Review. And what I'm going to talk about, I haven't decided on the title, but the essential subject is why your marketing people are rubbish. Yeah, Why are you so disappointed with your marketing people? And don't tell me you're not because I've seen lots of surveys that show that most top management are not very impressed by marketing people. And I've got some quotes from senior marketing people from companies like Kellogg's, yeah? They don't bloody measure. <laughs> they don't measure. The guy from Kellogg's, when they first started make, measuring, he said, oh, this is like shining a light in a dark cupboard. <laughs> and I was, I was showing this to some people in Portugal about three weeks ago, and I said, can you imagine that this man got to a senior job in Kellogg's without ever bloody measuring anything? Because he's probably very good at getting senior jobs, you know. Yeah. Not very good at marketing. And he's senior, and he wasn't the only one. There's a wonderful survey from Fournays who do surveys into research into what's going on in marketing, hmm. which points out that the overwhelming majority of marketing people don't think return on investment matters. <laughs> if there's anyone listening to this who's trying to make their way in this business, I would say one thing to them. You are in a great business. Yeah? You are in a great business. And the reason you're in a great business, and the only reason why I'm still making a living, and the only reason why I made an awful lot of money, is most of the other people involved were idiots. <laughs> they were not trying hard. They didn't study. Mm. You know, if you go into a room full of people and you know more than anyone else in the room, it's difficult to put a price on the advantage of that. Yeah? So I started studying and, uh, you know, I wrote my first book on marketing, what, 1982. It's still selling, you know, it's still selling 17 languages all over the world. Mm. But to, to, it wasn't me. I didn't sort of wake up every morning and think, oh, I really know what works in direct marketing. Yeah. I just spent a lot of time studying. And I know, I, I think anybody who goes into, into an industry where people don't study and decide that they will study, 
that is the ultimate competitive advantage. It really is, you know. And if you can't, if you can't test, just keep trying. It costs nothing to try. You'll soon find out which ones get most opened and so on, which ones get read, which ones get responded to. Mm. You know, um, you'll you, you'll find out. I, my golden rule, which is, and which I often ignore because I, we learn as more from from success, is that whatever you send out should seem to be helpful. Mm. Yeah. And it should be easy to take in. And amusingly enough, I received an email from a very, very, well, it was a promotional email written by a man who is supposed to be a bloody genius in this business. Yeah. Mm. And I looked at it and then I simply went to Word and measured how long the first paragraph was 40 words. Then I looked at the second paragraph. The second paragraph was 35 words. This man, I'm told frequently, is a genius. All I can say is that I know paragraphs that are 40 words long are almost impossible to bloody read by the average person, yeah? Mm-hmm. People just get lost. They forget where it began, you know? The average length of a sentence, if you want to write successfully, should be about 16 words. The easiest length of sentence is eight words. Mm-hmm. Anything beyond 25 words... People just cannot remember what you were talking about at the beginning of the sentence. No. <laughs> it's these simple things that, that make the difference. It's not. Uh, I have a guy that I employed or oh, back in the 1980s called Rory Sutherland. If you go on, go on to the internet and look up Ted and look up Rory Sutherland, you will see he's one of the funniest and cleverest people uh, I've ever come across, certainly that I've ever hired. Um, he's the vice chairman of the Ogilvy Group here in, in, in England. And he did one talk, I think on TED, called Don't Sweat the Small Stuff. And essentially what he was saying was stop worrying about big strategic ideas. Tiny little things can make a huge difference. So, for instance, if you're, <coughs> if you're emailing people and instead of just asking them to reply, you ask them to choose, to write back and say, yes, I'm interested, no, I'm not interested, Maybe I might be interested in. You'll get more sales. Yeah. Now I, I didn't invent that. That was invented by my client, the Reader's Digest, about 40 years ago. And what what's it got to do? It's got to do with salesmanship. And what have we got to do with salesmanship? That's all we're doing. You know, all you have to do is read, follow salesmanship. I was again. I was talking. I was last week in Vancouver. Week before last, I was in Vancouver. Uh, okay. There's an audience of marketing people. And I said to them, how many people here have read Claude Hopkins? Not one single person had read Claude Hopkins. Claude Hopkins in 1926, 1924, 25, 26, wrote the most influential and best book on marketing ever. Most marketing people have never even read it. And if you write emails and you read Claude Hopkins' book, you'll learn he even dreamt of emails when he was alive. That's a, 40, a, a book, 48 pages long, again. If you go onto one any of my sites, you'll see you can download it for nothing. What's the book called again? David, it's called Scientific Advertising by Claude Hopkins. Yeah, yep. and I suspect you haven't read it. <laughs> I've read it at least two or three times, actually. I also oh, good. read uh, My Life in Advertising. Have you read that? Yeah, yeah, that yeah. was good too. I was getting worried about you there. <laughs> <laughs> I went through. But that... I mean, it's amazing to me. Yeah, that, it's crazy. In that audience of you know, a couple of hundred people. Not one had heard, even heard of, never mind read, 
the most important book ever written about marketing. And it, it, if you look at, uh, say, the shortest chapter in that book is just salesmanship, two and a half pages long. All you've got to read is just salesmanship. And you, you'll learn something about what you should be putting in your emails and what you should be putting in your ads and what you should be putting in your commercials and what you should be doing. You know, it's just amazing to me that people don't study. Tell me about, uh, I mean, we're almost done here, but tell me tell me quickly about this this good email, bad email. So the right way to, we've talked a lot about like, so, you know, long emails, short emails, subject lines and that. But tell me how how these corporate well, companies are boring the crap out of most uh, of their subscribers and what people should be doing. Um, they don't, they use strange clotted language. Yeah, there's one here. It says, consumer cloud storage and then it goes this is a typical stuff for businesses one of the biggest concerns about cloud-based service is security i don't even know what the bloody hell they mean by cloud-based service <laughs> by the by yeah there is a lovely old american rhyme tell me quick and tell me true what your product's going to do or else my love to hell with you that's a bloody good thing to remember when you're writing emails yeah so they're going Consumers are far less concerned about business security. With the rapid growth in popularity, blah, blah, blah. It just it goes on and where is it? With the rapid growth of popularity, many employees started using consumer cloud services for the bit for business because they like the simplicity of such services. However, consumer services, this is boring. It just waffle. <laughs> Tell me what the hell you, you're going to do for me. It's appalling. Mm. It's uh, here we are. Popular consumer cloud storage services offer very limited features, many having just folder synchronization. Folder synchronization, <laughs> Jesus Christ! <laughs> <laughs> if they go on and on, uh. <laughs> the thing I would suggest to uh, it's a very good idea if you're writing anything to read it out loud and does say to yourself, Does that sound like somebody talking? Yep. Yeah. Would you actually say that if you were in front of somebody? It, it, it It's so simple that nobody believes it. Yeah? It's so simple that nobody believes it. Yeah. There are lots of things that I see because I was I, because you you like to do things off the cuff. I don't. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I worry. I worry. I recommend worry. Worry is very good. <laughs> so, I worry like hell. Yeah. So here, here's something that never fails. Uh, 10 American companies cutting the most jobs. All these lists that you see uh, all over the place, they were. People love lists. Here's one from Ryan Dice, who I think is very, very clever. The nearly 100% autopilot business. Now, what he's doing here is really, really interesting. He's making an outrageous claim, yeah? yeah, and he gets himself off the hook in advance by saying nearly. <laughs> <laughs> so he says... <laughs> And he then goes, he can, then he goes and makes the most amazing claims. Yeah, Here, this is the true story. I mean, when he said nearly, he said, "This is the true story." He <laughs> <laughs> just said it's not really true. <laughs> of a practically, I'm trying to find the damn bloody machine. The true story of a practically hands-free autopilot business. Practically. Then there's a link to. And then traffic campaigns are on autopilot. Lead capture happens on autopilot. These leads are converted into customers on autopilot. And buyers are turned into multi-buyers on, yep, you guessed it, autopilot. You see, it's good copy. It sounds like somebody talking. Yeah. It's an amazing story, and it's a formula you can apply to your business, too. The details are all here. And then there's another link again. That's a very good, that's a very good communication. 
I happen to know that putting things on autopilot is bloody hard work, yeah? <laughs> Nearly doesn't, doesn't begin to say this. But I also happen to know that Brian Dice is brilliant, and almost everything he says is good advice. If anybody listening to this wants to make a lot of money, you can make a lot of money. It can be done on autopilot, but it's bloody hard work because – I mean, when you see these case issues of this guy who's living in a caravan, you know, you know, living in his car, you know, three months ago he made six million dollars, yeah, that kind of thing. Yeah. yeah, every now and then, every now and then, a miracle occurs, you know, but it doesn't mean so a miracle's going to occur to you. <laughs> <laughs> it does. It does take hard work. Well, it's you know, it's it's it, life is not as easy as we would like it to think. Mm. Here's another one I I saw this morning, like. Halt your sciatic pain using this pressure pad. Well, you know, if you've got a back back pain, and I've had clients selling this sort of thing, people are going to read that. Another one, a sneak peek at the pitch book camps. Everybody likes to know about something that's secret. Yeah? You know, David Ogilvy's first book was Confessions of an Advertising Man. Uh, people always like to know about something that they shouldn't know about. Yeah? It's, it's, it's uh, essentially the principles that govern other media govern the email. They govern the email with the allowance for the fact that it is an email and it has certain constraints. And it doesn't matter what you're talking about, you're going to find out what works only by having a go and testing. And, well, the most important thing is to persist. I went broke, but fairly spectacularly, in 1970, a long time ago, but I went broke for what would, would be millions today. And I had to do anything I could do to earn a living for seven years. I did any damn thing you can think of. Um, I just kept going. And when I reached about 65, again, I had a similar, I had a problem in that because I was of that age, I was seen by a lot of people as being too old to be able to, to perform, yeah? Mm. Young people involved in marketing didn't think that a guy of my age could be of any help, yeah? So I thought, right, what I'm going to do is I'm going to master the bloody internet. I already had a website. I was already beginning to use emails, but I, I thought that I've got to build a list. And so I sent out an email to 10,000 marketing directors and I said, would you like 31 helpful ideas in 31 days? And I got 89 people signed up. And then I, I started sending these things out and then people wrote back and said, these are great. Um, could you please stop sending so many? So I said, do you mind if I send them once every three days? So they said, oh, yeah, that's fine. So I started selling out once every three days. When I got to 31, I said, should I carry on? And people said, please do. <laughs> so, so now if you sign up to my helpful ideas, you get, I think, over 100, yeah? Okay. Over 100. So it says 51. But that's I'm on the Pardon? It says 51 free ideas. You're saying that it's actually that, much I, more than that. Do you know why it says 51? Because it's a nice sounding number. Because I tested. Uh, we found that 51 did better than 101. Okay. Interesting. <laughs> Interesting. Plus, you I was surprised. Yeah. So did you test 51, 52, 53, 54? No, we just tested it. It was really Al who tested it without telling me. Uh, okay. And I suddenly saw this thing saying, I like people who do things without telling me, as long as they're not stupid. Um, I said, what the hell are you playing at, Al? What's this? What, why, why is it 51? There's 101. He said, I've tested it. I'll tell you something else he tested. See, there, we, we had a little, we, a little ad that says, you know, get my 51 free tips. Uh, get Drayton Bird's 50 or something like that. Drayton, Drayton Bird's 51 free tips, yeah? Yeah. Capital D, capital B. 
and he tested making a small d and a small b, and response went up. I could never have predicted that. Yeah, you, 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 human beings are really strange, <laughs> and the only person who, <laughs> you know, they're strange creatures. Yeah. But unfortunately, that's where the money is. <laughs> but, uh, but, um, but that that first email that went out to these ten thousand people who got eighteen hundred plus, that's what created thirty thousand responses. Yeah eventually yeah mm. that's what built the list i have now if you don't have a list uh forget it and actually while you're on when are you putting this out this will be up and i reckon from 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 now we're recording i think it's about six weeks out because i've got i mean you mentioned john benson he's going out soon let's see yeah i think we're six six about six weeks so it'll be about two months from now actually oh okay it'll be bloody christmas <laughs> <laughs> that'll be the christmas <laughs> present to my list here we go interview with drayton burr but anyway, all right. So, so if people want to hear more about uh, about you or uh, sign up to this list and get I consider as a free Claude Hopkins scientific advertising, where should they go? You mentioned ask, askdrayton.com, but this is another one, right? There's askdrayton.com or there's draytonbird.com. So either one, either one works, right? Yeah. Either one, you'll find stuff from me. Yeah. Cool. I think that draytonbird.com, you get the fifty, you get the free book, Ask Drayton. Trial of the Australian. What's the difference? Cool. cool. Okay, I'll, I'll have links to that at the uh, show notes down on themcmethod.com. So if anyone misses those links, they can go to the site there and get them. Drayton, thanks for coming on the show, man. My pleasure. I wish I was in Chiang Mai. I wish you were here too, man. <laughs> <laughs> Hey everybody, thanks for listening. If you want to discover more insider tips, tricks, and secrets about driving sales with email marketing, sign up for daily email tips from the autoresponder guy. Go to dropdeadcopy.com slash podcast, sign up, confirm your email address, and I'll send you daily emails on how to improve your email marketing and make more sales via email. You'll find out why open rates don't matter and the seven-letter word that underlies all effective marketing and much more.